welcome to the Meditation Conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I'm joined by Pam Urbis and Andy Duchovny. And Pam and Andy are spiritual partners and artisan healers, and they're owners of the Indigo Sanctuary. And we will get into all of this throughout, but they're very passionate about supporting and empowering others through their individual spiritual journeys. And along their own journeys, Pam and Andy have accumulated a diverse array of practice modalities and certifications that all focus on healing mind, body, and the planet. And they possess certifications in Reiki, yoga, sound healing, and environmentalism. So welcome, Pam and Andy. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's talk about the foundation that's delivered you both to where you are now. I'm really curious about um, your current lifestyle and all of this beautiful healing that you're bringing forth to the planet and to humankind. And, um, and I'm, I'm curious about if you were born into this lifestyle that you're embodying today, you know, the focus on nutrition and meditation and yoga and healing, um, or was there something that propelled you out of a more mainstream kind of, I would say that, that we started out similarly and then went different ways. We're both very um, much empaths mm-hmm. and we sensed that really early in our childhood and we took on a role of healer in our family because we were skilled at that um, just very then, naturally yes yeah and and then it was Pam who who's had a long history of involvement with nutrition and physical fitness and yoga and then she and I met and then I was introduced to it and and it flourished from there for the two of us Mm. okay yeah nutrition has um been a real top priority for both of us Mm -hmm. Uh, we both cook but Andy's an excellent cook (laughs) I have to say yeah yeah but um but uh, nutrition is really a top priority for us, especially um, sugar. We really believe that um, try to, uh, you know, not eat sugar, uh, natural sugars. Mm-hmm. And um, that's really uh, something that we both do. Otherwise, everybody's very individual, what they need to eat, but there's sugar in everything. And um that alone, not eating so much sugar or not eating uh, processed sugar at all, um, will ground you. And, and uh, it certainly changed me as a, a teenager when I started investigating about kicking the sugar habit. Mm. Yeah. That's so important. I actually had a guest on a few months ago who does a whole, you know, he, he has a whole sugar detox, um, thing. And it was a really eye opening discussion for me because it's something that I, I have 
kind of taken for granted and didn't really understand the true impact of it. And, and what you're talking about with the natural, naturally occurring sugars as well, that was really eye-opening too, because I think that a lot of us understand like white sugar, processed sugar, you know, don't add sugar, but then the what's in fruits and I think even nuts and things like that. I was surprised to learn. We try to focus on staying grounded. Mm -hmm. So we're aware of all the different things that may keep us from feeling as grounded as we'd like to be. Mm -hmm. Right. So you, you grew up in environments that, that nurtured, um, this sort of, you know, nutrition and, and, um, more holistic health. I'd say I did. I grew up in um, Brookline, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and um, it was very um, alternative kind of place. Um, and um, it, it did. You know, we had Bread and Circus, which is Whole Foods now, and a lot of health food stores, little health food stores. Mm-hmm. Um it, it was like all around me. I, I think that when I moved, well, I know when I moved to Philadelphia and, you know, there was nothing. There was like one little, I think there were like two little health food stores around. And, mm-hmm. um, but now it's, you know, it's so popular. Well, and, yeah, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. It's, it's so much easier now, the access to information that, that propels you to even want to adopt a healthier, mm-hmm. holistic, more holistic hi- lifestyle and the access to whole foods, for example, or, or other, you know, more conscious um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. places that, to source your, your food and, and other things. And there are a lot of CSAs now, subscription mm-hmm. farms. Right. And, uh, we're really into knowing where our products come from. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about food, being able to participate in a CSA is a great way to, you know, to get your food from a source that you know what their energy is like. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So I want to hear about your trip to Nepal. You had a very fortuitous trip um, that was a big catalyst for you in a lot of ways. So can you talk us through that a little bit? Certainly. Um, We've been to Nepal twice. And on our first trip, we went there, we we knew we were going to do um, some trekking and get into the mountains. And we knew we were going to go to a, a yoga and meditation ashram because we wanted to, to experience how yoga and meditation was practiced in Nepal, which is closer to the source and it's not Americanized mm-hmm. like you'd find here. So we planned our trip and it was just by happenstance when we met our friends, Jackie and Tulsi. We had gone from Kathmandu to a small town called Bhaktapur, which it translates to city of devotees. It's a a very spiritual town. It's in the Kathmandu Valley. And it's known traditionally for their traditional wood carvers and metal workers. And we 
just by chance met Jackie and spent some time with him. And he introduced us. We were aware of singing bowls, but he took us much deeper into learning about them and culturally their significance and their use. And then we met Tulsi, who comes from many generations of traditional wood carvers. Mm. And that we felt in Nepal that, that we were home. There was an energy about it that was familiar to us. It's, it's very warm. And in um, Bhaktapur especially, it's, it's very warm. The people are generous with their time and they're sincere. And um, we just felt a, a kinship to them. It's a very spiritual place. Mm -hmm. Bhaktapur is the home of people of the Nawari culture. And our friends Jackie and Tulsi are constantly educating us on Nawari tradition. And in Nepal, they have a, a rich tradition that has aspects of both Hinduism and Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism. And uh, so there's a lot of beautiful carvings and religious symbolism, uh, history, and it's just it's just steeped in history and culture and spirituality. So um, we we work with a lot of wood carvers there, and Jackie is there. We work collaboratively with the wood carvers, and um, because Nepal and Bhaktapur is such an important place to us, we we focus a lot of our giving back activities there. Um, we have a profit sharing for our business partners there. So we're all working together and profiting. And we've sponsored the education of two young girls in Bhaktipur, Nepal, and we pay for their education completely. Mm. Um, and it means a lot to us to give back to the community. And um, unfortunately, there's a lot of... Um, bad tradition of people going into cultures and culturally misappropriating their traditions and their work and taking advantage of them. So we try to be very respectful of the cultures and the people we work with and acknowledge that the traditions are theirs and show our respect and treat them fairly like they, they treat us kindly. Mm, that's so beautiful. And you've touched on on your work that you do with them. Um, and again, you you own the the indigo sanctuary. So can we can you just talk us through what are what is the indigo sanctuary and how are you working? If you can talk a little bit more about specifically with the word working and with the um, the artists that are, that are there in Nepal that you're working with, um, what are you offering for sure. through the Indigo Sanctuary? We'd love to talk about that. Um, the purpose of the Indigo Sanctuary is that we would like to help people have what we have, which is a personal daily spiritual practice. And we believe that by having a personal spiritual practice and sticking with it, it helps us become centered and calm 
and be more our authentic selves and handle the stresses of, of life. And we believe that everyone would benefit by having a home sanctuary. It doesn't have to be a whole room. It can be a corner of a room, an altar, you know, something where they have some items that are spiritually significant to them and inspire them to participate in their daily practice. So the goal of the Indigo Sanctuary is to support people, provide education and provide products, tools that may assist them. So on the website, we have blogs that talk about sound healing and how it works and gemstones. And it discusses the story of the, of the gemstones, which we collect and the chakras. So we provide educational resources and we provide products and um, our products focus on energy, whether it's sound healing or gemstone energy or spiritual energy, like our carvings. Mm-hmm. Um, as to our, our colleagues, our, biz- our partners in Nepal, we have really deep relationships with them. Our friend Jackie is himself a Nepali traditional singing bowl healer. And we started working with him and learning from him. And then we went on, he recommended other masters and we continued our studies. Jackie educates us on singing bowls. And when we were in Nepal for the first trip, he took us to the factory. So, which was important to us because we wanted to see one, how they were made, and two, what the working conditions were like for the workers there, and to make sure that it wasn't child labor or an unsafe work environment. So um, so we work really closely with Jackie. When we're in Nepal, he takes us to the factory and we sit down for hours and hours and we hand select singing bowls mm-hmm. and then we bring them back. And when there are times that we cannot go to Nepal, Jackie curates our collection of bowls for us. Uh, And and we work really, really closely. And it's been a a really rich, meaningful relationship. And Tulsi, as I said, comes from a long line of woodcarvers. And initially, we were buying pieces that were traditional Nepali wood pieces. And as time went on, and our gemstone work grew, we started working collaboratively. So we would ask Tulsi, can you make us something for using a a symbol like a lotus? And we would say, is it okay? Is it respectful for us to use your lotus and put our gemstone in it? And and of course he he said yes, because otherwise we wouldn't do it. Mm And then we worked with him and his father on making other pieces. For instance, we wanted something with the hand, which is the the himsa symbol or the abaya mudra. And after we cleared with them that they were okay with us putting our stones in it, they carved unique pieces for us for that purpose. Mm -hmm. And we've done that similarly for lotus designs and things like that and we make gemstone playing sticks where we put the gemstones on them 
and we paint them and we wanted them to be protected. So we asked Tulsi about getting cases for it and his sister custom knits cases for us lined with fleece with buttons so we can keep the gemstone painted playing sticks safe when they're not being used. So whether it's wood or woven products, we, we work collaboratively in the creation process. That is it's so beautiful. I mean, the, the, you're just talking about the knitting. And as you were talking about the, um, the collaborative work and how it's all come together, where you've gotten permission to use the symbols, and I, I was just getting weaving. I mean, before you said anything about knitting, it was like, oh, this weaving is so beautiful. And, uh, and for it to actually culminate in <laughs> your story to culminate in knitting is uh, really, really beautiful. So bless you both for, for doing that work and doing it so conscientiously. Um, I hope that this is a, something that will be like a, a way that we are all working globally in the future, you know, that, that this will just be something that is like the way that it is. And unfortunately, you know, that you're blazing, well, fortunately for you, you're blazing a trail right now, (laughs) but, and, and there are others who are doing this too, but, but I hope that it's, you know, something that's clicking in for more and more people, the importance of it. And you keep talking about as well the energy that is um, containing all of this work and how important that is. And of course, everything is energy and, and that is so important. And the, um, the more etheric or esoteric or intangible uh, benefit that people receive from... Um, from purchasing, you know, and, and from filling their homes and creating sanctuaries within their homes, but with this conscious uh, consumerism, really, you know, what a blessing that you guys are providing this in this in this time. It's really important. Thank, Thank you. you. So, I am really excited to talk to you both about gemstones because. You, you have a lot of experience with gemstones and there's a lot, I mean, when you and I were talking in preparation for this, there were things that you were offering to talk about that I didn't even know were things. So you have so much to share. I am fascinated by crystals and gemstones. I actually have always here with me, I'm, I'm showing them here, a, um, this is a honeycomb calcite I believe, uh, that I just got in Utah in um, June for my birthday. I was there over my birthday, and they have all kinds of rock and mineral shops, you know, at just roadside, you know, in that Four Corners area. They're, they're just everywhere. And so on my birthday, I went to one, and, and, uh, and I'm a beekeeper also. So when I, I was like, honeycomb calcite like that's a thing and um but you guys do something called rock hounding which this is what I mean when I'm like I didn't even know that was a thing that people could do 
Um, and so I would love to hear about this, hear your, hear what it is, and then your experiences and and how it all flows together. Well, I was a rock hound when I was a little boy. I didn't know what it was called, but I was always collecting rocks. And when I was 13, I bought a rock tumbler. And of course, I was using stones. For the most part, I would find some, but I would buy them. And as I grew up, I stopped doing it. But Pam and I always loved being outdoors. Even before we met, we always loved being outdoors. I could see that so, about you for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we really liked being outdoors mm. even before we met. I think that was like a common thing we we were like, oh, let's go hike here. Let's go hike there. And Andy always picked up rocks and they look like rocks. I mean, they, I, you know, I loved crystals and gems and things. And I, but to me, it looked like a rock. But when we got it home and we cleaned it up, it was a gemstone. Really? Yes, he had a great eye for that. And I was like so impressed with that. I'm like, I don't have to go into a shop anymore. We can just do this on our hikes. That's amazing. And this was in yeah. Pennsylvania? Anywhere we'd go, like yeah. Cape Cod, he'd find really? stones. And uh, the kid, we had ch- young children at the time. And um, the one, the, the rocks, the gemstones by the ocean were a little easier to spot out because you put them in the water and then they shine. Mm. But the ones on the hikes had like, they were all covered with dirt and they were brown. How and I don't know how he saw color in them. That's the, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. It was like, <laughs> it was the funniest thing. Which so, eye yeah. were you looking with, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> My child's eye. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I was very impressed by this because I love crystals and gemstones and, and, um, it was years yeah. later that we uh, got a, a rock tumbler. So um, that was our first um, machine mm-hmm. to, uh, and so when you polish them, uh, it's it takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of patience to do rock tumbling, which is a very meditation by itself. Mm. Um, you have to wait, you have to wait. And uh, even now, it can be difficult for me, like, oh, we have to do step two, we have to do step three. But it's great for children, I think. And um, they learn patience, too. Like, everything takes time. It it teaches them that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, then we went to um, lapidary arts. So from the Tumblr, we did lapidary arts, which is is another kind of... um, way to polish and cut gemstones and that's a little quicker so um but the gemstones the cabochons that you see in jewelry are done by lapidary artists yeah Yeah. so yeah and lapidary has nothing to do with lapis is it lapis lazuli or how do you say that lapis lazuli i think that's how i would say it but um no it, it I'm not sure where the word lapidary comes from, but 
That's, okay. that's it's what just we call it. it's a process. It's a way yeah. to bring out the the gemstone from from a rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a lot of fun because you're kind of playing in water. You're the machine like spits out water. Um, and you see the process of the stone coming alive. Mm. Uh, you start to see color coming out of it. Sometimes the uh, gemstone speaks to you and you need to do very little to it. Other times you really have to spend some time with it. So again, it's, it's a, it is a spiritual process different than the tumbler. Um, even though tumbling is easier, it, it, in some ways of shaping it, the machine does it for you. Um, for me, it's always a difficult process because it can take, how many weeks do you think it takes? Five. To, five weeks, yeah. With the lapidary? Uh, with or with the, the tumbler. tumbler? Okay. Yeah, with the really? lapidary, you can finish a stone in, you know, a matter, it depends on the stone, but no more than like a, a sitting, you know, a day or, mm. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. And then, um, well, since, you know, Andy was so good at it, we, at finding stones and just picking them out, we, we stopped going to shops. I mean, we just, we didn't use catalogs to find stones. We didn't go to shops and we realized that we were ethically sourcing, you know, and we knew that it was ethically sourced. Because you were finding them out in nature. Yes, 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 yes. So, um, And do you ever have a sense of like when you find a stone, like a yes or no about whether it wants to come? You know what? Um, I don't think so. And sometimes you don't really notice the beauty of the stone until you get it home. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it depends on the stone. But but we have books now. So we had never heard of rock hounding either. It, it's a, it was a process that we learned about. And we have books, um, where to go, and what kind of stones are in, gemstones are in that area. So now... <laughs> We find it a lot easier. At least I do. Mm-hmm. I know, oh, I'm looking for something. Where when we went on hikes before, it was like Andy would say, I see something. What is this? You know? Really? That's <laughs> like, but it's good practice to do both. Yeah. I think it's good practice to do both. Don't you think yeah. so, Andy? Yeah. Because sometimes you find something randomly and um, and it's not what you were looking for. Do uh, you want to talk about the, the peach yeah yeah yeah. well we're animal lovers um and we somehow uh animals are our guides Mm. so um we were in virginia and um we were looking for it said amethyst and we found one piece of amethyst after a long time in the wild where, it, was, it was on a farm, an old farm. It wasn't really a pretty place. Sometimes okay. they're beautiful settings where you find you you rock out. Sometimes they're okay. They're never ugly, but mm-hmm. um, 
you know, they're not always in wilderness. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. And so um, it was just in the ground or like on the ground in this farm or you had to dig dig with a shovel and, um, uh, we're digging. Also, if you find like a vein, it'll bring you to the gemstone. So yeah, in the earth, if you find a vein in the earth, um, I am not usually, um, like picky about like, oh, we have to find this. I'm just happy to be outside. But when it came to amethyst, I wanted it. (laughs) I really wanted that amethyst. And we just found one little piece. And this peach cat kept on following following us. And he was a beautiful cat. Um, And at the time, we kept on finding this peach stone, which was surprising that we didn't really even think it was peach feldspar moonstone and 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 we just we thought it was pretty and um and the peach cat kept on following us and then again when we got home we cleaned off the the peach stone and we realized that's what the cat was trying to tell us you know that this is the stone for you. And it, cause there was the same color as the cat. That's incredible. incredible. Isn't it? It's really, it's we find a lot. Whenever we find a peach stone, uh, we see peach, we see ginger cats. Really? It's the craziest thing. It yeah. happened in Rhode Island. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. People, mm-hmm. people, Pam said, we're going to Rhode Island. Let's find some rocks. And they, Everyone on the internet said there are no rocks in Rhode Island worth collecting. And Pam said there has to be. So we were told to go to this place called Moonstone Beach. And we got Peach Moonstone. And as we were leaving the beach, we see a big ginger cat (laughs) on the side (laughs) of the road. (laughs) I love it. All of the symbolism, all the patterns to be able to to point and keep you on track and and confirm even yeah. in that story confirmation it just feels like you guys are like guardians do you get that sense that you have like some sort of guardianship from a, like the earth nature i i think so I think I so. Think so. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I have chills as I say that all over my body. Thank you. There's some yeah. sort of guardianship yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Andy's very intuitive, but I think that um, he came back to that intuitive feeling, um, and and uh, you know started to develop it more um, because it's hard for men. It's hard for men and, and um, not that it's not hard for women, uh, but we're encouraged a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. to, yeah. Or yeah. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think there's a, I had a nurturing feeling inside of me, but it, it took a space, a safe space to let it come out more. Mm-hmm. And bless you for revealing that and and honoring it and for letting that rise to the surface because 
I mean, I, I know that it serves you in your in your day to day life, but it's serving much beyond you. So, so thank goodness that you cultivated that, that you listened and cultivated it. That's beautiful. Thank you. We, I, we try. Yeah. We try. Everyone tries. We're all trying. Yeah. <laughs> well, some of us are trying. I get, can't say across the board everybody no. in humanity yeah. is, but there are many. <laughs> so I'm curious um, about people who maybe are not so drawn to rock hounding, but are drawn to rocks and gemstones. And, and I know that sometimes that this is just part of an unfolding for a person, like as they start to realize, you know, as veils start to get removed and it's like, oh my goodness, there's a lot more mystery and, um, and a lot more support available to me in this planet, in this, in the ethers, you know, and one of the sort of stepping stones, using a pun, I guess, um, in that unfoldment can be crystals and can be gems. But when you're new to it, it there, I, I often, you know, have people who are like, well, what, what should I get? Like, I'm curious about getting some crystals, but I don't know what to get. Um, what do you recommend? Or so how do you have some, some ideas for people if they do want to go to a shop or if they do want to, um, you know, they're, they're not adept at finding them in nature, but how they know what will help them. Well, I think that, um, you have to trust your intuition. Mm -hmm. If it's colors that you see that brings you towards that gemstone, um, that's, that you should just go with that. But I, I, we really do recommend for people to hold the gemstone. That's, that's very, very important. So you see it first, um, and then you need to hold it. It's mm -hmm. almost to see how it feels with your own energy. So, right. um, yeah, yeah. Everyone's energy is different. And, um, and then you'll know. And while you're holding it, you need to breathe deeply. Um, that is really important. So it may take a while to feel it before you start, your breath starts to slow down, or maybe the gemstone helps you slow down your breath, but it's just a matter of witnessing how you're feeling. Um, yeah, so that's all part of intuition. And then also the chakra system is very popular now um and that is a good system but um we always recommend for people to uh have a root stone something that grounds you centers you um first before you go you start looking at other stones and a lot of gemstones have a multiple, a lot of um, chakras in them. Like for example, uh, rhodonite is, um, is for the heart, but it's also very grounding. So that would be great for someone who maybe is too much of a giver. They're always giving. They like that feeling of giving until they're depleted. 
So they need to be more grounded um, in order to know to balance the heart and then rhodonite would be a good stone for them. But um, rooting is very important. Like I talked about, we talked about with, um, you know, nutrition, mm -hmm. you need to find stones that are grounding as, as well as um, other chakras that are involved. Yeah. 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 So um, I think it's very simple. Uh, and uh, I, it somehow has become complicated. I, I don't quite understand that, mm -hmm. but um, I, I, um, I think when we root ourselves, we'll see how simple it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, because we're all in the head, you know? Right. It's like, yeah. It helps to draw yeah. you uh, deeper you, into your body. Body, it does, yeah. yeah. And like the, the palm stone that we um, gave you uh, with the red jasper, talking about drawing you into your body, that j stone really, uh, red jasper really brings you into your body, really brings you into your body. And it's, it's very, it stabilizes you. It mm. like makes, yeah. And then with the um, black obsidian, um, that it's, you know, it, it, it's together. The stone is together. Um, uh, the black obsidian also cleans the, um, the aura, any of the negativity around the aura. And black stones in general are um, used in feng shui um, for protection. So, um, black stones, uh, I, I love black stones. Yeah. They're good yeah. for EMF protection as well, right? That comes from like electronics that is just absolutely, absolutely. Like the smoky quartz is like, mm. yeah, yeah, it is. It really black stones are, we're always, uh, I, I mean, I love clear crystal, but I, I love black stones and they shine. They really, and they shine outward. So if you're an inward person, that outward shine is very healing, you know, the aura. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you again for the gift that you sent me, the, the jasper and the obsidian, the red jasper and the obsidian. It's this gorgeous um, palm stone. And we were talking about it a little bit before we started recording. I have, I don't remember seeing two stones melded together in such a way. So it, it's, a, it's an obsidian stone that has red jasper in it, on it. I don't, can you talk a little bit about this? This is new for me too. Yeah. Well, this is, I call it a doublet and, um, it's different. Um, people are more, um, they, I think that it's not as popular, but we designed it ourselves and we wanted to look like a stone. That's, and it does. It looks like it like, is naturally like that. Yeah. So we shaped it. Um, Andy actually made that one and it became very popular because it, it looks like a stone and we call it our rooting stone. Um, to work with red jasper, um, 
it, it, it can be very difficult. It, it's like the messiest stone around. And I'm not mm. even really that like tidy, you know, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm clean and everything, but it like, it's your whole, everything is red. It just, really, yeah. It's almost like you're bleeding. <laughs> it's, oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. The thing, um, about red jasper too, it's very good for, for fertility. Mm. Yeah. So, um, you know, it stabilizes, it roots you. Um, and, um, it's a, when you feel it, you feel like you're holding a palm stone. So that is our, um, meditation, uh, stone, um, to root. I, I feel, we both feel that if you're rooted, um, you can handle a lot of stresses in life and, and stresses are bound to happen. And, um, some people are naturally more rooted than others. Uh, but we all need to be rooted like a tree, <laughs> like, yeah. like our friend, the tree. So we do, we're, we've done, um, the, the, uh, the obsidian with higher chakra stones like lapidolite mm-hmm. and we've done other combinations as well. So, um, we're excited to, to explore that more. That's, hmm. it's beautiful. And you mention it as like a meditation stone as well. So from a practical perspective with these stones, do you recommend that you, that they're held while meditating? Um, yeah, I like to hold my stones. I'm very tactile and, um, Andy, you do too. Yeah. You like to hold your stones, um, for different reasons. I like to hold it during meditation. He likes to hold them, um, when, um, you're like travel, you need it for like a f- helping friend or something. Yeah, like for you comfort. Tell- comfort. Like, like I'm wearing, I have a, no one can see it, but it's a, piece of wood that I've carved from reclaimed wood and it has a a piece of rhodochrosite in it Um, and I usually wear it turned around touching my skin because for me like we have affirmations that we used with our stones like Pam said for rhodonite it's you know it's for someone who's giving and it helps them with self-love um I, I find the rhodochrosite similarly uh, heart healing. So I just know that when I feel it, it reminds me, oh, this is that rhodochrosite. This is how it makes me feel. So it's a, a reminder. Mm. Um, and I think it's like a meditation item that it, it triggers memories. It triggers memories. And I think the, the more that you meditate with a stone the more that you wear a stone and do affirmations or meditations i think it creates kind of muscle memory in your brain and your 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 system it calms you down it's a reminder so uh, yeah. so i do like wearing them where i can touch them we do do affirmations with our gemstones as part of our practice, um, we are very much into affirmations um, mm. during practice or during our day. So uh, we find them very helpful. And um, 
it seems like everybody else does too. It's very popular. Yeah. Well, and I think that, well, I have heard at least, and, and, you know, I have a lot of crystals as well and, and use them for helping to hold space. So you talk about affirmations and, you know, they can also be used to, um, help create or to hold intention or to kind of like as they can be tools where you set them up like you kind of like what you were talking about Pam with um, selecting a stone and how you tune in you know you can hold the stone and then you're feeling and you're feeling I think when I was first kind of getting in tune with crystals I was focusing more on how my hands felt Mm-hmm. You know, how, how does this feel with my hands? And I was getting, you know, I could tell a little bit, but if you actually, it was when I learned to no pay attention to your heart, for example, you know, how does the heart feel? Are you getting an expansive feeling or, you know, like there's a response within the body beyond the hands. Um, but you also can just kind of scan with your hands and see, you know, feel within your hands, but, but be sure you take it deeper in Um, but the same sort of thing is that I have found anyway, with setting stones up around the house and where, where does, you know, does it like facing this way? Does it want to face that way? Is it, and it's, it's playing around with it and feeling within how does this feel like connecting with it and, and feeling like listening, but listening with the body and, um, and you can kind of create like stones that go together and then use that to um, hold space for what you, you know, what, where you're going, what you're focusing on and what you're wanting to manifest or, you know, lots of different things. Um, but they're very powerful and they're, they fractalize the energy and they create these energetic patterns that are, you know, it's, I, my, I, my point is kind of just beyond the beauty that we see with our eyes, the yes. power. Mm-hmm. That is such an important point that you bring up because sometimes, I mean, I, I think all gemstones are pretty, but sometimes a gemstone that visually isn't, uh, the prettiest is uh, very beneficial. I mean, like uh, ocean granite. It's a pretty stone. It really is. But it's not like, um, you know, I don't know, amethyst. It doesn't, it doesn't like sparkle a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, that stone does so much for my mental state because it's grounding and it helps the creativity, the second chakra too. So when I'm, you know, we're artists, you know, I have all the, we have all, well, Andy's more grounded than I, so, (laughs) so he gets a lot done, but sometimes I could just float around with creative ideas and then at the, you know, I don't get anything done. I, you have, so that stone, it's like when I find that, like all this creativity is just running around in my head, I grab that stone. But another interesting point that you bring up too is that 
when you hold a stone, it's it's not only in the hands. It 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 could you could feel it in the feet. Mm-hmm. You know exactly, and that's the same thing with our bowls, too. Some ways you have to let go of the chakras. You have to just say, okay, I'm not thinking about chakras. Where do I, where do I feel it? And the vibration, you know, is different for everyone. So that is, I really, that is such an interesting point that, that you brought up about not just feeling it in the hands, you know, you feel it anywhere. Yeah. Well, I love that you you've mentioned the uh, the gemstone playing sticks and your singing bowl. So we, we've touched on them a little bit, but I wondered if we might be able to hear one of your bowls and we can talk a little bit more about the gemstone playing sticks. Certainly. So what do you have this there? Is, this is an antique singing bowl, handmade from the Paul. It's made of seven metals, which is traditionally how they're made. And uh, later I can describe the process of making them. And this is a gemstone playing stick. This is Amazonite, which we collected in Pennsylvania near us. And uh, and the stick is, is hand-painted. And um, what we do is we... We connect the shock, the primary chakra of the bowl with the primary chakra of the gemstone. And it's also the, the stones are Reiki infused after we make them. And we feel that the energy of the bowl and the energy of the stone have a synergistic relationship. And it adds to the energy that you're experiencing. So, um, I'm going to up, up, tap the ball and we'll be able to hear it. Chakra is that one attuned to? Um, this is the heart chakra. Um, and um, the bull is also the heart chakra. Okay. So, um, yeah, yeah. And, um, and do you typically have the gemstone and the bull to the set to the same? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But some um, stones are more than one chakra. Okay. And um, so it gives you that flexibility. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but we, we take a lot of time to pair them. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll take the stick and we'll, we may do a couple of sticks with, um, to find the right one. And then we'll say, this is going with this bowl. And then we, you know, pick the stone and we place it and it's painted the handle mm-hmm. and, uh, and then it's Reiki infused. Mm, that's beautiful. Do you, f- 
from an energy, we've talked to quite a bit about energy here and just from an energetic perspective, you know, there are singing bowls available, you know, through Amazon, for example, um, that, you know, you're not really connected in that case with the source, but it's a singing bowl. <laughs> so do you have, do you have any insight on the benefit that somebody has in, in purchasing something that has been from an energy perspective that has been kind of, um, handcrafted and, and lovingly made versus the mass production? Yes. Uh, generally, we, we do believe strongly that things that are made in an, you know, an artisan way in small numbers have really good energy. You want someone who's preparing something that's going to be dear to you and that you're going to use in a healthy spiritual way. You want it to be made with good energy from the maker and the materials and good karma. Mm. You, you want that. Um, when we talk about singing bowls and mass production, it's really important to understand that one bowl is not the same as another. Um, the bowls that we buy and use and sell are only handmade seven metal bowls from Nepal. And the way they've always been made is the way our bowls are made. They make the alloy of the seven metals and they cast it into an ingot, a block of metal. It's a block of metal. And they take the block of metal and they put it in a furnace and then they take it out and they start hammering it. And it goes from a block of metal and they shape it slowly through the process of heating it in the oven and taking it out and then hammering it and putting it back in the oven and taking out and hammering it. And slowly they build up the sides of the bowl and they make the shape. It's a really long process <clears throat> that involves a lot of skill <clears throat> to make it into the shape and to tune it. Now, those are the handmade bowls. <clears throat> and when you play a handmade bowl, <clears throat> it vibrates. You feel the energy in your hand before you hear the sound. And the physics of the bowl is really complicated. And it, so it creates sound waves you hear and sound waves you feel. So a handmade seven metal bowl generates and produces a lot of sound waves and they're healing. A lot of the bowls you see on the internet are not made that way. They're not made with seven metals and they're made by casting the bowl into a shape. So there's no heating, there's no shaping, it's just poured into a mold. Oh, sometimes, sometimes, and we've seen it, where people will take the bowls that are cast and they'll take a hammer and they'll, they'll tap it and they'll make little hammer marks. The little dents, yeah. Oh, so those are like artificial. They're mm -hmm. artificial, they're purely decorative. Um, there are, there are providers online who do sell genuine seven metal handmade bowls, but there are many others who don't. Mm -hmm. So we draw the distinction where we don't think of the bowls that are cast as healing bowls. We, we don't think that they serve that purpose. No, no, they're not. And you can tell when you tap the, um, 
handmade bowls that it the note doesn't drop it continues so even without looking at a bowl if uh you'll you'll tap a machine made bowl and it'll make a pretty sound but the note will drop it'll mm. just it won't continue well it's all fascinating and really beautiful thank you so much um can you tell us a little bit about how people can learn more about you and about your products and and your offerings? Certainly. Our website is www.theindigosanctuary.com. So that's www.theindigosanctuary.com. And on Instagram, we are at the Indigo Sanctuary. And we invite people to visit us at our website, check out the, the educational information. We have a small portion of our products are on the website. We have a lot of products that we haven't loaded yet. So if there's something anyone wants, they can reach out to us. And um, one thing we do do <clears throat> is if someone buys a singing bowl from us, we give them a free Zoom singing bowl lesson Ooh. with the bowl to help them learn how to play it because we want to make sure that if you're getting a bowl from us that you get the benefits from it we want to make sure that we guide you that way right beautiful well thank you both so much for being here for sharing all of this wisdom and for sharing your light for continuing to do so um with every day. It's really beautiful, really important work that you're both doing. So thank you so much. Thank you for thank inviting you. us. Yeah, thank you. Wonderful. Well, be sure to check out the Indigo Sanctuary. There are a lot of uh, goods out there, goodies to fill your, your space and, and elevate your space. So do yourself a favor and go explore and support Pam and Andy and support their family in, uh, in Nepal, their soul family out there in Nepal doing all of this amazing healing work through these goods. And thank you for listening. As always, I so much support the time that you take to listen um, I very much appreciate subscribing, rating, reviewing, um, and sharing, sharing this episode. Um, all of that is so supportive, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation. 